Hello, and welcome to a Movie Marathoner's 10K add-on episode. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And today we are talking more about Avengers Endgame and its reception. We'll be going straight into spoilers, so that's your spoiler warning for Avengers Endgame as well as all the films in the MCU. And this episode is likely going to be more of a stream of consciousness, and we'll be talking about a grab bag of different topics. However, we also have a more in-depth review with our friend Cameron Nurse that you can check out at moviemarathoners.podbean.com or on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and on our Facebook page. Okay, so let's get started. So I think the reason that I wanted to do this, Ian, was because Endgame is probably a movie that we're only ever going to have once in our lifetime. I don't think this event is ever going to happen Mm -hmm. ever again. And part of that is just the stupid amount of money that this movie has already made, Mm -hmm. right? Do you know how much it's made already? Uh, Tell me. Yeah, okay. So, (laughs) So in total right now, and this is... May 12th, it's a Sunday, which means it's this is its, in its third weekend. Mm-hmm. It has made $2.49 billion worldwide. Uh, it has a $723 million domestic haul. Mm-hmm. And just from opening weekend, that is $357 million. So it has broken, you know, basically every record that you can possibly imagine. For context, Star Wars The Force Awakens mm-hmm. was the last opening domestic weekend box office mm-hmm. winner and that was around 250 million D- doesn't star wars also have like the overall domestic box office yeah. record yeah. yeah so the domestic record for the force awakens is 936 million dollars do so you think n- that Endgame's gonna hit that i do you do well I, I, 723 I million dollars slow down a bit i mean it definitely is but i that's a good question the the reason that The Force Awakens made so much domestically was because it was released during Christmas and Mm -hmm. then they had Mm -hmm. all of January and all of February with virtually no competition. Whereas here we've got a whole bunch of weekend movies or summer movies that it has to compete with. But the worldwide record is $2.79 billion Mm -hmm. and that's held by Avatar. Of course. So do you think that, (laughs) I mean, this is sort of... An easy answer, but do you think that it can make the additional point three billion dollars to yeah, break that record? Definitely. Yeah. Did you expect this to happen before the movie came out? I was hoping. Hoping. Yeah. I. Of course, like I would like to see this movie break all of the records. And after Infinity War, I feel like you could see that it was possible. You know. Well, yeah, and no, because I, I don't know. I Infinity War did make a lot of money, but it didn't make. It didn't get close to the Avatar record. I don't. I don't. I don't think they were hyping Infinity. I. I mean, it was being hyped up a lot, but I don't think it was being hyped up to the scale that Endgame was. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt for some reason I did not think it was going to hit that Avatar record. I. I felt that long gone were the days where a movie can make that much money, and that was right at the. 3D craze where yeah, they were yeah. making tons of 3D sales and people were mm-hmm. going, and it was like a cinematic experience. Yeah, I mean, that's why it made the money. It didn't make it for its story. What? Avatar? Yeah. <laughs> you don't like Pocahontas? <laughs> I like Pocahontas. I liked it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> what about when Dances with Will? Okay, whatever. We don't have to talk about Avatar. <laughs> I just thought with so many films coming up on the horizon, I didn't think that it would have the legs to be able to do that. And mm. it just turns out that it didn't even need legs. It yeah. did it almost in three weekends, which is insane. I think... The number that's most crazy is that opening weekend of three hundred fifty-seven million dollars. Yeah, so much money. And Everyone and their mothers were seeing them. <laughs> yeah, and I know that theaters were open twenty-four hours mm-hmm. over the entire weekend. They were playing shows at three a.m., two a.m., one a.m. every fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, you remember the struggle trying to buy the tickets. The, yeah, the day the tickets went on sale. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was couldn't. trying to buy tickets and just panicking the whole time because all the websites were kept crashing. We normally go to an AMC, but they completely crashed the AMC site. Mm-hmm. So like you couldn't even buy any types of tickets from AMC, not even just endgame tickets. It just completely crashed their entire server. In hindsight, I'm glad we saw it at the Icon. Yeah. XC. Yeah. 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 It, 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 that was a nice theater. And it was also in like a 21 plus showing. I don't know if you knew that, but. Did not it, know that. Yeah. But we ended up having to see it really late and we did end up having to see it like on in the second row. Mm hmm. So you've seen it a second time since then, right? Yeah. What was that experience like? I saw it in the same type of theater, the mm-hmm. Dolby 
Theater. Yeah, yeah. The, and and yeah. I, I got Dolby like, Vision is awesome. And I bought the tickets so far in advance that I was able to get the perfect seats for them, which was great. And I, I feel like I liked certain parts of it even more the second time. Why do you think that is? And what specific parts? I would say that I, I liked all of the really sad, sentimental parts more more the second time. Like the moment with Scott trying to find Cassie's name on the big memorial stones. Right, yeah. That hit me a lot harder the second time. Things that didn't really hit me as hard were the big reveals like Cap lifting me all near. I mean, I still love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't like cheering when I saw it. That okay. time, you know? Was were there people in your theater that were cheering? What was kind of the atmosphere not seeing it on opening night versus our theater that was super vocal? Yeah, no, it, this was the week after it came out and I don't think anybody cheered. Really? Maybe. Um did people clap at the end? Did you get a movie theater clap at the end? Yeah, yeah, people people clapped when the credits started rolling. Okay. But that was it. Yeah, I saw this Monday night in an IMAX theater. People weren't that vocal. Nobody really cheered or anything like that. There were a couple gasps throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't exactly remember. It's all a haze. I don't remember if people <laughs> cheered during the Mjolnir scene. I definitely did, so maybe it was time. just me. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, this is awesome. I really liked seeing it a second time. I'm surprised at how effective it was even the second time, even yeah, knowing everything yeah. that was going on. Because and it's all such awesome stuff to see on screen. Yeah, well, the main thing that I was a little worried about was that the beginning hour was going to be a lot slower mm-hmm. because I knew where it was going. And the the scene between... Hawkeye and Black Widow when he's in Tokyo and she comes to get him and they're all sad about stuff. That scene, I was like, at that point, I said to myself, we can we can get going here. But then that is the very last scene in that long stretch. I thought that hit me harder in the second time. Yeah. Knowing where their relationship was going to go in the movie. I just mean that that's that's, you know, the fifth or sixth sort of sad interaction that you get. Yeah throughout the hour mm-hmm. and at that point at that after that scene i was like i don't need any more of these and then i didn't get another one oh, so it was fine really? yeah. e- every scene with black widow in it before her death hit me like a lot harder this the second time that i saw it because i was thinking about like everything that she said and like trying to follow along with her on her lead up to her death you know mm-hmm. yeah that's fair the thing i liked the most about the second time seeing it was that since i was higher up i was in an imax screen and mm-hmm. kind of mid back center whatever we, I was able to appreciate the action a lot more. The first time we saw it, since we were so close to the screen, we had to turn our head to the left and then yeah, back to the right so and back to the too. left. Yeah. There were a couple things that I just completely missed the first time that I saw the second time in the action scene. Oh, really? I completely missed Falcon stabbing the giant gorilla thing with his wings. Oh, yeah. That, I, was, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So that some of that stuff was really cool to see again. And then the other thing is that at the end of three hours, when you start at like 1030, like we did the opening night, everything does become kind of a blur mm-hmm. and you forget about stuff. So it was nice to almost kind of re-experience it because the the experience was so long. Yeah. yeah but it, it doesn't feel long. It definitely feels like it flies by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of its length, do you think that's something that might be holding Endgame back? with people buying tickets and stuff, like people going to see it, do you think they're being turned off by the length? I would say yes, if there was any proof of that, but there's not clearly because it's making all the money yeah. in the world. I just had some coworkers talking like, oh yeah, it was such a long movie. Like I don't, I, I don't ever need to see it again. I, I think that's fair. Yeah. But I think that this is one of those rare movies where everyone feels like they have to see it mm-hmm. soon. I do agree that I don't know how many people besides the diehard fans are going to see it again. Yeah. And I don't know if this is a movie that people are going to watch again and again at home. You don't think it's going to be something like the Lord of the Rings trilogy where they... That's an interesting question. I don't know. I guess it's harder to do when there are 22 movies. (laughs) Let's talk about that a little bit. How do you revisit... Endgame. Let's say 15 years from now or 20 years from now, you have mm-hmm. a kid. How do you, if Endgame is the quote unquote Endgame, mm-hmm. how do you introduce the MCU to them? How do you, yeah, how how do you experience Endgame not without kind of forcing them to wait the 11 years for that buildup, you know? 
I uh, force them to binge watch it. You know, you're gonna force them to binge in chronological order every single thing. Well, I do think it's funny that if you want them to get the full effect of Endgame, you're gonna have to be like, look, I know Thor: The Dark World is crap, but, but you have to watch it. <laughs> but in 14 hours, it will all pay off. Mm. Or 14, no, 14 times 2. 28 hours, it will all pay off. I guess thinking of movies that they wouldn't need to see, narrowing it down that way would be easier. Like, they don't need to see Guardians 2. Right. I don't think. But do you think this is going to be one of those things where we are always talking about this This was the craziest thing? Because this, this was the craziest thing that they were able to pull this off, mm-hmm. that this ever happened. I literally don't know if it ever will happen again. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to be something that we're going to have to explain to our kids and they're just going to be like, oh, dad's being crazy again. We have stuff like this all the time, whatever. Yeah, I like, mean, it might be something like that's something like what I would say to my parents when they talk about going to see Star, Star Wars, Wars in theaters. Yeah, because it's, it's, it is really hard to fathom the idea of the first blockbuster, yeah. right? Was, was it that or Jaws? It, was, it Jaws. was Jaws. It was Jaws. But around the same time, yeah. right? I feel like something that I might do with my kids is maybe not start with the MCU movies. Maybe show them like the cartoons first, mm-hmm. so they can get the basics of the characters. You mean like from... when they're little kids? Well, or... it, yeah, but something that's not as I I feel like the cartoons or something like that, or like a comic book or something, would be easier with getting the gist of the characters, and then I can just show them like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Infinity War and Endgame, you know, but I feel like there's something sort of almost lost about the experience of Endgame if you do that. Well, yeah, that's why. I mean, that's why I would. That's why I originally said that I want them to binge watch the whole. Yeah, I, I just thing. wonder if even that is enough. Should I let them see one movie? A year? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> that would be weird and psychotic. But <laughs> one a week, I don't know. <laughs> I just. I wonder how much of this movie is tied to it being the culmination of something that we ourselves have lived in real time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no way to recreate that. Right. And I'm just wondering how future generations are going to interpret this movie and how maybe they're just going to sit there and be like, this is just another movie for us. Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's going to have the impact at least in some capacity that it did to us. I don't know about this movie in particular, but the MCU shows that it has no signs of like stopping anytime soon. Right. And they might have their own things like that. Like we don't know what's coming in the beginning of phase 4 yet. Yeah. It might be a sort of new beginning kind of thing. But I don't know if the there there's something to be said about doing it once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it being the first time that something like this was ever pulled off. And I don't know if they will ever kind of get that type of endgame feeling. You never know. Yeah. I'm sure people back when Star Wars were coming out were like, this is it. You know? And I mean, we haven't seen episode nine yet, but they were probably right based on. Well, I mean, like franchise, like just craze pop culture effect wise, you know? I don't know if they ever thought something like that was mm-hmm. going to happen again. Yeah. And it did with like Lord of the Rings, it has with Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair. There's always like another thing on the horizon in my mind, I think. That's true. When I saw this the second time, I saw it with my girlfriend Allie and she has seen a couple of the MCU movies. She's seen Iron Man, you know, Infinity Wars, mm-hmm. both Guardians of the Galaxies mm-hmm. and both Ant-Mans. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be Oh, Thor Ragnarok and Doctor Strange. So She's not, you know, a novice to the MCU, but she certainly hasn't been following it the same way that we have. Yeah. So I was really interested to see and hear about what her opinion was of the movie was, because I didn't know if the kind of moments that were really effective to me, like, you know, uh, Falcon saying on your left when he comes out of the portal, mm-hmm. things like that were probably not as resonant for her as they were for you or I. So I was really interested to see, does this movie work for you emotionally, whatever? And she did. She she really liked it. Yeah. The first thing that she said coming out of the theater was that she was shook that <laughs> Iron Man had died. Yeah. And I guess apparently she had seen that when she was really young with her dad. Her dad had made her, you know, had made her go see that movie. Mm-hmm. So that was 
really nice to hear. But she ended up saying that the first half, or not the first half, but the first section of the movie was a bit cheesy to her. Hmm. Yeah. That's surprising to me. <laughs> it was a little surprising to me, too. I thought too. it was pretty heavy hitting. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I could see it. If you're not super invested in all the characters and you do think that this is, you know, just a movie, mm -hmm. then it embraces how serious it is. But if you're not kind of committed to that, then I could see how it's a little like, okay. Yeah. And especially the, the opening part where Captain Marvel comes in and is like, I'm going to kill Thanos. And they they do it instantly and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It, it is it is a little corny, but she ended up saying, you know, that the last half of the movie was fantastic. She loved the action. Mm -hmm. Another opinion that she had that I thought was pretty interesting was that she liked Infinity War more than Endgame. Yeah, I've and, heard I've heard a lot of people say that. Really? Actually. Yeah. Do you know why? And do you agree? I guess I, I don't agree. Yeah. So why do you, why do you not? Agree it's with also that? hard to compare because they're very much like a part one and part two movie. Yeah. Which is a hard thing to compare because I see them in my head sort of as a completed, like those, that's a package to me in my head. I feel sure. Like. Yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't know what makes people like infinity War. What Ali said was that she just thought it was funnier. <laughs> okay. She, she likes movies that are funny that's and, lighter fair. and stuff. And I do think that's fair. And that's not saying that she didn't like Endgame, Of course. I actually have the almost uh, a completely different opinion is that seeing Endgame made me like Infinity War less because there was so much more in not 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 like it less, but admire it less mm -hmm. almost because there was so much more that was done in Endgame that was missing in Infinity War. Yeah. And Infinity War is awesome for the wall-to-wall -wall action and everything like that, but it doesn't give you the chance to kind of interact with the or to watch the characters interact like Endgame does. That's something that I really liked about Endgame. Yeah, yeah. that's what. Yeah. That's why. So, watch, yeah. seeing it no, in Endgame, I'm like, oh, they they can do that. So now Infinity War, I don't know if I ever really need to watch Infinity War again, unless yeah. I'm showing it to someone. I think it makes sense why they did that though for both the movies mm -hmm. because there wasn't really as much of a need for those personal moments in infinity war as there was in Endgame. i mean that's that's subjective yeah i, I yeah. yeah i guess you're right but they made infinity war to be like the big fight movie like it's called infinity war yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was going to be a more actiony movie and then Endgame is dealing with the repercussions of that and then a lot of the personal moments are also because of the time jump, I think, because you have to catch up with the characters. And Definitely. Been. Yeah. I just know that a lot of people did have that complaint in Infinity War, and it never bothered me, the lack of those kind of moments. And they said that a lot of the action at the end didn't have significance. Mm -hmm. Like, there, it was just things smashing together, whereas in this one, the end battle has a, a goal and kind of a throughput throughout the action. Mm-hmm. And seeing it in this and realizing how satisfying it is in Endgame makes me think back to Infinity War and be like, I kind of understand those criticisms and now that I'm more aware of it because I know what I, I could have, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, I get that. Speaking of the praise of Endgame, why do you think the response of this, I mean, this is sort of a dumb question, <clears throat> but let's just talk about how the... Uh, response to this movie has been almost unanimously positive. Yeah, I mean, we we've joked about, I think, in the other podcast too. This is pretty much fan service the movie. Yeah, but sometimes <laughs> when things do that, people despise it. But this felt deserved, right? Because we've been with this these characters in this franchise for eleven years, and this was just a big payoff for sticking with it the, the 11 years. You know? Yeah, but if you think about something like Game of Thrones, for example, yeah. which has been largely divisive this season but mm -hmm. has given a lot of fan service, I'm surprised, even after seeing the movie, how much or how almost unanimously positive it has been, the the reception. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know why I thought, I mean, obviously there's always going to be naysayers, and, or not naysayers, but people who just, just don't like the movie and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But 
it seems like in these big movies like Infinity War, like The Last Jedi, like even The Force Awakens, which is probably the one that I can think of that was closest to unanimously positive, there were large dissenters of all those movies. And I'm surprised how that in general people have been pretty satisfied with this movie. Yeah. There definitely has been some criticisms, though. And I think that they're worth addressing, potentially. <laughs> One of them is that people have taken issue with the, I- the idea of killing Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And especially because she is the only female Avenger and the the only female Avenger from the original six. Yeah. And sh- there are very few female characters in the MCU. A lot of people took issue with the fact that she was the one to die as opposed to Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. As far as how you think it affects the story, um, what do you think about those criticisms? I lo- This was the first movie that I really loved Black Widow, I thought. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time that they really gave her the time to grow as a character because I mean, she was one of the only surviving people left. And she, I mean, they showed her take over basically the security of the Earth, which I thought was really cool and just sort of how tortured she was because of it because of what happened in infinity war also Mm -hmm. and yeah no i i thought that they did a really great job with her character and you know like like tony's death it was them sort of proving that they were heroes and that they had redeemed themselves from any of their like darker pasts like both of them had you know yeah well so i know that her kind of whole if you had to say that she had an arc throughout these Avengers movies is that she kind of wants to get redemption Mm -hmm. for kind of these dark things that she's done in her past Yeah, that will likely be explained in the Black Widow solo movie coming out. And I I think her sacrificing herself to literally revive half the universe Mm -hmm. is a pretty damn heroic thing to do and like deserves the redemption. Yeah. I don't don't know. I do. I, I agree with that. I like that she chose to sacrifice herself as opposed to what is very problematic in Infinity War of Thanos kind of sacrificing Gamora. Mm-hmm. There does there is definitely a tendency in media for women to be killed off to incentivize the men. And I, I do didn't see think that in this movie. Oh. I think it's I think it's there a little bit. I think that even if it's not intentional, it's there just, I don't know. It, it, it is a little problematic to have on Vormir have two powerful women in the MCU killed off. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think Gamora should have died. Yeah. So I do think that there's some criticisms there that are very justified. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought I, I thought that w- that was like her being a hero. And I thought after that, the way that the Avengers reacted to that were like, yeah, she went out doing like the right thing she saved all of us we're going to continue what she was fighting for right but when you have so few women on screen then it does become frustrating that one of them is the one that has to get killed off yeah when there are four or five other potential characters that are all straight white men it can that, certainly be. It, it's not that it doesn't necessarily. I, I make... saw her as like one of the big heroes of the movie, which I thought. I thought people were receiving. I thought like I've seen a lot of women receiving that pretty well as like yeah. wow, like Black Widow was like one of the saviors of everything. the universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I yeah, I can understand how you see it both ways, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily personally have a problem with it. I think it understand or it makes sense in line with the character, and in, it makes sense that that's how she wants to redeem herself. Mm. But I do think that there is something just innately problematic by having you know twelve percent of the cast of the original six Avengers being women, and then having that one be the one mm-hmm. that is that dies in the exact same way that another powerful female character died in the previous movie. Yeah. It's like Vormir is very sexist. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess Red Skull. I don't know. Red Skull <laughs> is or the Soul Stone or something. Yeah. But I wanted her to die somehow in the movie. 
Really? Yeah. I didn't think she was going to die. I, I don't know. She seemed almost, as you mentioned, that this is the first movie where you kind of really care about her. Mm-hmm. She didn't seem like an important enough character to kill off to me. Oh, really? Yeah. I think she, no, I think she's very important in the way, like, you know, she's not the one who's, like, going to be able to kill Thanos, but she's... Yeah, I really yeah, do she, like how they set that up. how important the... she was with how she took over the Earth. Yeah. After Infinity War. She didn't War. take over they the Earth. Take over the, but... How she took over protecting the Earth <laughs> okay. after Infinity War. Yeah. yeah, 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 certainly. Let's talk a little bit more about the sacrifice of major characters. Mm-hmm. And how it relates to what I sort of thought, thinking about it after I had seen both this and Infinity War recently. Yeah. A sort of central theme throughout both of those movies. So in Infinity War, the Avengers make a big fuss about refusing to allow Vision to sacrifice himself. Mm -hmm. They don't want him to make that self-sacrifice. And then at the end of that film, they ultimately lose. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile... Thanos, you know, if we are to believe that he truly did love Gamora, and I know there may be some objections to that and it may not be have been perfectly set up, but that's certainly what the filmmakers wanted you to think is that this was some major sacrifice for Thanos, yeah. right? So if that's the case, he was willing to make some sort of self-sacrifice and then he won. Mm-hmm. But then in Endgame, that's when they do make a sacrifice. Both Black Widow sacrifices herself and Iron Man sacrifices himself. And then only then are they able to win, mm-hmm. right? So to me, that seems to suggest that the whole Steve's we don't trade lives thing is, if not wrong, then at least, you know, naive and unrealistic. And that sacrifice is sort of necessary to quote unquote win. Yeah. Because if he had just let Vision die, then they would have won. And the only reason that they won in Endgame was because Cap doesn't have a say really in Black Widow's sacrifice or in Tony's decision. Mm-hmm. So that to me kind of indicates that this overarching theme is that sacrifice leads to success. And I think that's pretty realistic, but it's also surprisingly dark yeah, for I think, yeah, the MCU. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, that it makes sense in my head, but a pretty recurring theme throughout the comic books and most of the movies is like, we don't trade lives, we don't... Mm-hmm. Like we're superheroes, there's always like another way, and that's one of the big things that I didn't really like about. This is a tangent where I'm just gonna crap all over uh, the DCEU, but <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I I hated Man I of Steel this. because Superman would always find a way to save everyone because he's Superman, right? And he would find another way to defeat Zod without snapping his neck, right? And that was my biggest problem with the movie. I didn't even really as much have a problem with all of the needless destruction in the city. I mean, I did. Yeah. But not as much as with him killing Zod. Because in my head, I was like, Superman would find a way to, to not kill Zod because he's a superhero. And they're supposed to be able to find ways to do things without killing people. You know, that's something that I was hoping that they would be able to do in Endgame. But, you know... After watching it and stuff, I understand what you're saying, where it would be sort of naive to think that you can't, that you can do it without sacrificing well, something. I don't even know how much the theme is intentional. Yeah. But it is sort of, if you compare it to Infinity War, that does sort of come, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know it's if- definitely intentional. You, you do? Yeah. Yeah. But I, and, don't, I don't know how characters like, I hope they- talk about it in far from home i don't know i don't know how characters like spider-man are going to react to things like that because that's one of his like core beliefs like that nobody should have to die Mm -hmm. and i don't know how he's gonna grapple with uh seeing that that was what saved them yeah well it's also weird because a lot of people did die in that battle that weren't tony per se right there was a ton of wakandans and Doctor Strange people, I can't remember it, what they're talking about. And called. it's one of those things that reminds me of an, the argument in Infinity War with Vision, where Vision's like, you would sacrifice yourself to save everybody, why can't I? Right, and so that's sort of what I think is kind of frustrating about Captain America. He, I mean, you know, he is he's a Boy Scout, he's mm-hmm. good to a fault. And I think, whether intentional or not, the movie is saying that that idea, that that kind of black and white 
uh, we don't trade lives thing mm-hmm. is naive and a little foolhardy. And that if you do that, you're you're going to lose. Because I think if Captain America was in Vormir mm-hmm. and, you know, it was the three of them at Vormir, he would not have let either of them sacrifice no, themselves. No, And I mean, maybe he would say he would sacrifice himself. I think he would. He probably would. <laughs> but that's also then just hypocritical. <laughs> but yeah. Sacrifice is something that is definitely consistent throughout the MCU, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in all, almost all the movies, the character does have to sacrifice. And, and it's just something in general in storytelling that you kind of do have to make the sacrifice to not get what you want, but, you know, succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you just think about Thor, how much he's lost and he, you know, gets Stormbreaker and is the most powerful Avenger. Yeah. No, I... I... I understand it's a tough situation because all of them would sacrifice themselves, but none of them want their friends to. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, maybe we're reading a little too much into this and then they just needed to kill somebody because otherwise there's no stakes to this. Yeah. And also Robert Downey Jr. probably wanted out. He's been in like 12 of these now. Yeah. And it's I think it's literally the only acting he's done since like 2011 mm. has been in MCU movies. But let's move on. One of the things I like about seeing a movie a second time is that things kind of stick out to you more. Yeah. Both the positives and the negatives. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those negatives don't end up souring the experience. And I think I can say for both of us that none of the things that we're probably about to talk about ruin the experience by any stretch of the imagination. But Ian, you had something that you wanted to kind of air out, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I, I talked about it a bit in our last podcast, but I'll reiterate before I get into new thoughts that I've had. Uh, sure. I, I really didn't like the way that the Hulk uh, was handled in Endgame. I wish we saw more of the banner that was alluded to in previous MCU movies, the tortured side of himself, the side of himself that wanted mm-hmm. to die. I mean, he tried to kill himself and spit out the bullet because the Hulk wouldn't let him kill himself. And that's really dark, and we don't ever see really the fruition i guess of their conflict the hulk, the hulk and banner and they allude to it so much especially in infinity war when the hulk refuses to come out yeah and, that was never paid off and banner was like oh man we got to have a chat you and me or something like that yeah you're right and we just never see that it's done supposedly off screen during the 5 year time jump but all he has to say about it is, oh, yeah, I sat down and we talked things out and I decided to just live in this body with him. Yeah. And we're just supposed to be like, oh, OK, that's nice. Yeah. With that five year gap, there does come a lot of things that you feel like you missed. Some of them you don't need to have seen. Yeah. You, know, you don't need to see Thor struggling with depression. Yeah. You don't need to see Tony having a family with uh, Pepper Potts. But this is definitely one of them that it feels like you're missing an entire Hulk movie in yeah. there. And I wonder if maybe they'll exp- – I-, I doubt it because Hulk is not the most lucrative property on its own. Mm-hmm. But it would be really nice to see that kind of somewhere, in either in the uh, Disney Plus mm-hmm. or something like that. But I agree with you. Yeah, and as I got thinking about that more, I was thinking not just about how – I thought he was mistreated in Infinity War and Endgame, but just how he was mistreated, in my opinion, like in the entire MCU. Yeah, I'd say with the exception of the first Avengers. I love and him in the first Avengers. Ragnarok, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, he is I, good in He's Ragnarok. good in both of those, but otherwise, why is there not a Hulk movie? I feel like with all of the dark things that they've alluded to, there's so much to do with that. Yeah. He could have his own villains. We could have like Abomination back or something. Yeah. Red Hulk. He's supposed to be like, when you think of the Hulk, you think of the strongest there is. And we don't really ever see that, I don't think. Yeah, that that is an issue that I also have. He's been pretty underpowered from the start. Yeah, and his his whole thing in, in Endgame is pretty frustrating too for me. Because I really liked Hulk in the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he has a line here in Endgame where he says, you know, I took the best of both worlds. I have the brain and the brawn. Mm-hmm. But in the movie... I mean, I guess he holds up the building for a little bit to That's it, help. Though. Yeah, That's the there's only brawn we see. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason for him to be Hulk. And I think I, I do want to shout out that I heard or I heard this uh, issue addressed in Total Geek All, which is the Screen Rant podcast. So that's that's where I first kind of heard that idea that there's no reason for him to be the Hulk mm-hmm. right now. 
he could put the glove on as Bruce Banner and then it would turn him into the Hulk and he would he would be alive so that, you know, he can do the infinity or the the snap or mm. whatever. But yeah, he there there is no merging here of Bruce and Hulk. It is Bruce but green and big. Yeah. Which is frustrating especially for somebody like you probably who's who's read the Hulk comics that mm. knows that Hulk is almost his like a whole separate character in and of himself. Yeah. Right. And you see that a little bit in, in Ragnarok mm-hmm. where kind of Hulk's in, in control. So you'd think that if he was merging the two, then it would be part Bruce and part Hulk. But like he's sort of angry, too. <laughs> yeah. And to to their credit, there's subtle ways that you can see that he still is a little angry. Like when he yeah, throws the Black bench, dies, when Black yeah. Widow dies. Yeah. But even when Thor puts his hand on him mm-hmm. when he's drunk, when they first meet and he's like, Please take your hands off me. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. But to me, that was setting up something where he was eventually going to lose lose control and, and kind of be like, happened. hey, Hulk, it's your turn. Let's work together. Mm-hmm. This is this is your your yeah. area of expertise, right? So, yeah. Talking through this, I am more upset with Hulk's treatment in Endgame than yeah. I was at before this talk. So. And even <laughs> if he did have the strength that he's had in the previous movies with the Hulk, now there's the overpowered Thor who's probably stronger than the Hulk now and has lightning and can fly also. Right. And there's also Captain Marvel who, if she's supposedly the strongest in the Marvel universe, she can beat Thor, beat Thor and Hulk. So like why, if the Hulk is just for Braun, then he's not very. Yeah. Useful. So, I mean, then maybe that's why he isn't there. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not needed from a narrative perspective, but it, it it doesn't make too much sense. But that... he should be because he's yes. the Hulk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, like, now I'm just thinking about it. This is something very, I guess, nitpicky. But I've heard in interviews with the Russos that they intend for the damage on Hulk's arm to be permanent. Yeah. I've seen that, too. So with... he's just done. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's just useless. Unless, what if he gets, like, like a mech is... arm? Does that ever happen? With the Hulk? No, because oh. he's the Hulk and his arms are strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and also he's supposed to have like regenerative <laughs> abilities. He has like the like healing factors that that Wolverine has. You know, this shouldn't be something that's permanently done for him. He should be able to turn back into a banner and then turn back into a fully healed Hulk. I do think at least half of what the Russos say, though, is bullshit. Yeah, they they're just spewing all sorts of stuff about I guess this movie they, that they doesn't have no make control much sense. over that unless they're the directors of the next Avengers movie, <laughs> right? Which I mean, they might be, but they have said a lot of stuff that's sort of just a little annoying. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like oh, the name of the movie isn't Endgame. <laughs> yeah, or oh, you know, the spoiler ban lifts Monday. Like, okay, nobody's. Nobody's patrolling what this. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just a little, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> They've made a great movie, so I'll give them some leeway. I have a couple nitpicks if you want to talk about oh, yeah. those. Again, these are super, super nitpicky, mm-hmm. and I would not have fixated on them if I hadn't seen it a second time. Okay. Okay. So the first one, which I've talked to you about already, is... The the whole idea that they only have enough pin particles to mm-hmm. go there and back in yeah. time travel. I've thought about this a lot, and it's messed me up now. <laughs> so so the first problem is that if you need more pin particles, can't you just go back in time and ask Hank to make more pin particles? That's the first problem. You don't have to ask. You can just steal them. Yeah. <laughs> like like they do like they later. Do. Yeah. yeah. But that's fine because time heist is cool. The, the main question that I have is how can Ant-Man shrink? At all when he's in the past because he needs pin particles to shrink. Mm-hmm. So if he only has enough to get them there and back, then how is he using pin particles to shrink and grow? And then at the very end, how does he turn into giant man if he's ran out of pin particles mm-hmm. by the end? And then also Nebula gives Thanos a second pin particle for him to go back, come back to the future after she's already come back to the future. And you'd think that both nebula and thanos would need those time gps's that tony made so that didn't make any sense to me i don't know do you care to try and explain that or is that just i don't know how to try to explain it besides assuming things happened off screen with 
the Black Order guys building new things. Yeah, but if they were able to just make pin particles, he, I, I don't know. <laughs> replicate it? He already had... No, he didn't have any of the Infinity Stones yet, did he? No. Yeah, I was going to say if he had some, but no. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's just one of went, those... Maybe he went to Earth and just, like, took them. Okay. Like, found Hank Pym and was like, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah, sure. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of going to Earth or, you know, sort of that same thing, the other nitpick, and and we'll just go through these quickly because really there's no explanation for these, but they, they are something that I was sort of like, hold on a second. Carol saves Nebula and Tony and brings them back to Earth. And the idea there is that Tony's about to die because they're almost out of oxygen, mm-hmm. right? But he said that they're like eons away from Earth when they've died, right? Titan is not close to Earth. Mm-hmm. So how did Captain Marvel fly them back? Like, how long could that trip have taken? I told you, she can fly at like twice the speed of light. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, also that's from the comics, so like, who knows? But, <laughs> but also, she can if fly she can as fly... far as, as fast as the plot demands. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Barry Allen, and I'm as fast <laughs> as the plot demands. Yeah, I mean, it's just... If she's able to fly them that fast, then <laughs> like she should be able to just rip through Thanos and with you know in what's smaller than a nanosecond, like a picosecond or something. Yes, actually, because there is a comic with the Flash where he saves an entire city in like a picosecond. Right. And, so and and, and then, but th- this is related. But then he can't do that other times. Because the plot demands that he can't okay. do that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. That that is it is just a weird thing. You can't and, think about that. For and too long. and you can you can complain a lot about it, right? That like if Thanos is fighting Captain Marvel and resisting her, and then Captain America is fighting Thanos and mm-hmm. resisting him, then you would think that Captain America and Captain Marvel are on some way or at some similar power level which is just not true oh no captain america is fueled by the power of america oh the power of america oh and freedom Mm -hmm. okay yeah there you go maybe captain america should look into america's past a little (laughs) bit before anyways and then the one other thing that i thought was a little grating um have you seen the martian no do you know what it is it's it's a ridley scott movie with matt damon where he's stuck on mars and in that movie, it's it's based on the book, and in the book they do this too. They talk about souls, like S-O-L, and they use that for a day. So it's like 12 souls have passed. Mm-hmm. And that's in reference to the fact that a day on Mars is completely different than a day on Earth. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if 12 souls have passed on Mars, I don't know the exact calculation, but, you know, that's equivalent to like three or four days on Earth or vice versa or something, right? In this movie, they have... Thanos be like, it's time to go to 2018 or, you know, this is, that's a Thanos from 2014. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that people or alien races that are in space would have no reason to use earth hours and earth times Mm -hmm. and earth years and things like that. So all that stuff makes no sense to me. And is something that I think they did a pretty good job avoiding in Guardians of the Galaxy by just not talking about the dates. And I don't really know why they chose to do that here because it does it does kind of shatter the illusion of this, you know, alien stuff going on if they're like, oh, it's September. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just thinking. I, I think I figured out how the whole timey-wimey stuff happened. Which timey-wimey stuff? Oh, the Nebula stuff? Yeah. Okay, what is it? So, uh, presumably Black Widow died with the time GPS and an extra thing of pin particles. Oh. Right? All right, yeah. And Nebula's brain is still linked to the other Nebula, so she knows that they went to Voromir and that one of them didn't come back. So th- so she was able to tell Thanos that Black Widow was there. And so he went to get the and pin so particles there. So he went there. to get the pin particles and the time. GPS. That's a stretch, but I'll allow it. I I think that's I think that's fair. Okay. 
it definitely didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my other I think you just saved the Russos. You should email them when people <laughs> ask like, "What the hell is going on with this extra?" Well, my pin my particle? other solution no, is good, just that it's just that Ebony Maw uh, reverse engineered it, yeah. it, and they had, I mean, unlimited time because they. Can I will only to the time, allow you to refer to him as Squidward. Okay. Yeah. So, but like, if they're traveling in time, You're not amused. It's they fine. have as much time as they need to go back in time. Yeah, you're right. That's true. You know. Yeah. They could have taken 20 years to re- reverse engineer pin particles. Okay. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. You're welcome. I didn't. I didn't say thanks, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just talk briefly about what's next for the MCU. Right, you have some ideas about what you think the next big bad of the MCU is going to be. Yeah, and I mean, I predicted this before the, uh, or not predicted. I wanted this to happen before the <laughs> yeah, before okay, Endgame came out, and now everybody's talking about it. Oh wow! So, so you can be, you basically can say I was ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah, and I'm a genius. I'm not saying that. I wouldn't call myself a hero. You don't have to do that. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I I want the next villain. I wanted the next villain to at least be a homegrown villain, like from Earth, a human that uh, would be different for the Avengers because they've always been facing either something that, like the murder bot that Tony created, or the Chitari, or Loki, or Dormammu, or Thanos. And I, I would like it list to, more. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't think of any. <laughs> so <laughs> Malekith, Ronan. Um, we don't talk about Malekith. <laughs> yeah. But although apparently we have to because our kids have to watch Thor: Dark World to yeah. understand <laughs> Fat Thor's plight. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. But what was I saying? Oh, I, yeah. I wanted to be a homegrown <laughs> hero, and so I was thinking about all of the villains that I know are from Earth, and I was thinking about Doctor Doom. That would be really cool. Now that. Marvel Studios has the rights to Fantastic Four and Doom and Galactus and stuff like that. But after the time travel stuff in Endgame, I started to think about Kang the Conqueror more, who is a villain from the future. And he essentially comes from the future to the past to take vengeance on the the Avengers (laughs) because they... The Avengers? Because they mess with the timeline so much. I'm ignoring you. <laughs> they, they, they mess with the timeline Sorry. so much, it ended up screwing up Kang's timeline, and yeah. he wanted to come back and destroy them for it. And I can see something like that happening now that they, the Avengers went back in time and essentially messed with all these other timelines, creating all these other timelines. I could see Kang being pretty pissed about that. And yeah. I, I think that would be really cool to see, especially with no Tony there. Yeah. Like, they don't have, I guess, the the guy who figured out time travel <laughs> there. Yeah. And, like, that's who Kang would probably want to blame. There, there's, there's a line, this is a side thing, there's a line that Rocket says to Tony where he's like, easy, Tony, you're only a genius on Earth. Yeah. And <laughs> it's probably true, but also... Shut up. You had, you didn't <laughs> solve time raccoon. travel. There's as far as we know, nobody else has solved time travel, yeah. so he's probably a genius anywhere. But yeah. Yeah. I think I think from what I know of Kang, that would be a really interesting. And there was also a line that was like when you mess with time, time messes back. Yeah. And that would be a really good segue in the same way that the end game was end game yeah. line was for end game, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of segues, your talk about Tony being dead. When you introduce timeline to mm-hmm. a world or a universe or whatever, there becomes a problem with the idea of permanence. Yeah. Right? And I think that this was a huge issue with the Arrowverse when they started introducing alternate dimensions that they'd kill off characters and then the same version of those characters would come back, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a way to bring Tony back in any capacity that would not cheapen his death here? And same with Black Widow or any other character that's dead. I mean, that makes you ask the same question, I guess, about Gamora then. Because yeah. Gamora was, for all intents and purposes, dead. Okay, so let's start there. Do you think that that cheapens in her death in Infinity War? Well, I wasn't happy with her death in Infinity War, <laughs> so no. <laughs> I think it does a little bit. And I'm glad that she didn't just get uh, snapbacked. Yeah. But it does definitely cheapen it 
a little bit for her to come back in mm. any capacity. And for all we know, the right now the stones in the MCU don't have the power to return people from the dead who didn't die by the stones. Right. You know? And but that is in at least the comics what the soul stone does. Right? Yeah, it it yeah. is, but like for all we know in the MCU it doesn't work. Yeah, well way. and in this current timeline if we're assuming that the one that you know we're following is the main one, mm. then there are no stones in that timeline anymore. Yeah, they're all broken. Mm. So I guess the only way to do it would be with time travel. Yeah. And I don't know if I like the idea of bringing Tony or Natasha back via time travel. Because I, th- I think all of the Avengers who have survived through Endgame and Infinity War and everything, I think they, of course, want their friends back, but respect the way that they died. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be an injustice to the characters that died and an injustice to the characters that survived to bring them back. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And just from a storytelling perspective of the MCU, mm-hmm. one of the chief complaints of the MCU has been there's no stakes, nobody dies. And so I think that this ending to Tony specifically is pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. He end or he started it, he's ending it. Mm. And this is a perfect send-off. I know some people, you know, say, oh, you know, in the comics, he comes back as a Jarvis kind of thing where mm-hmm. he his consciousness is a hologram mm-hmm. and he still kind of instructs the Avengers on what to do and tech and stuff like that. And I don't want that at all. I don't yeah. want I don't want him involved in phase four and on in any capacity. Honestly, I don't think he will be the way specifically with his story with Spider-Man. I don't think we're going to ever see him involved again yeah. because their whole character relationship arc seemed to be that Tony was essentially grooming Peter to be the next him. Yeah. I think when, when he died and he knew that Peter was back, he was like, all right, I'm leaving them in good hands. Yeah. I can just see the urge to, have a Robert Downey Jr. cameo mm. in some movie that kind of involves time travel or have him cameo when somebody does a flashback in like a Disney Plus series or something like that. If it's something and, if it's something like in the way that they traveled back to the 2012 Avengers and saw them in that capacity, I think I would be fine with that. Yeah. But I don't want him to be taken back into the main continuity in any sort of way yeah even as like a hologram or something like that unless it's some little message yeah i i agree like a little personal message to someone then no yeah yeah i agree and same with black widow i think that hopefully this uh solo movie that she has coming out i'm assuming it's a prequel They've said it's a prequel, but they've also lied before. So uh, <laughs> there might be a new Black Widow because there have been multiple Black Widows in the comics. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm guessing it's probably a prequel. Mm-hmm. And I hope, you know, first off, that prequel is long overdue mm-hmm. or not prequel, but standalone movie mm-hmm. is long overdue. And then I'm hoping that that's kind of a perfect send off to her character. Yeah. And then she can kind of be a, a, a legacy character of some sorts. So. Yeah, I, I agree. What? kind of team do you want to see in the Avengers and what kind of team do you think is going to be formed in the phase four? What do you mean by kind like, of team? Like who do you think is going to be on the, the main Avengers team? Do you think there's even going to be a main Avengers team now that after Endgame they all like banded together in that way? Yeah, that's interesting. I think that certainly T'Challa will be a leader. It, it really sort of depends on how quickly they introduce Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and how quickly they introduce the X-Men. But, you know, assuming that we don't have any new characters coming in, I think I'd I'd really like to see a team that has, again, this is also assuming that they follow the same structure where it's standalone-ish movies mm-hmm. and then, then kind of big movie coming together. For those big movies coming together, I could see Black Panther, Captain Marvel, uh what's his name spider-man mm-hmm. ant-man and then i think we do need some regular people quote unquote when you say ant-man do you also include the wasp in that yes okay and then 
potentially uh like shang chi Mm-hmm. Is he is he just like a martial artist, or does he have special he's just powers? A martial artist. Yeah, so I think that he would he would do a good job of fulfilling Hawkeye's role. Yeah, I could see that, and so I think that'd be fun. But certainly, whatever kind of team that we have, I'm really excited by the amount of diversity that they have to play with, mm-hmm. especially with characters floating around like Tessa Thompson, who may take on the mantle of Thor mm-hmm. at some point. I think might be cool to see. Yeah, so do you think Thor is going to be with the Guardians for a while? Do you think he's going to return for the Avengers or not? No, I think he's with the Guardians. Okay. Yeah. I think I That'd think cool. as far as Thor's he may come back for the, next you know, Endgame. Infinity War, yeah. the next Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think he's kind of in his own cosmic thing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. One other question I have is maybe maybe you know this from a comic perspective. Why do you have to snap to get rid of the rest of the world. You don't. Right? So couldn't when Thanos is just has the glove on, couldn't he yeah. just do it? The only Isn't snapping really arbitrary? A, the only reason, in, at least in the comics, he did a snap in that was to prove to the Avengers how easy it would be for him. Okay. He would be like, it's just a snap of my fingers, and then he does the snap, and then it's done. But you don't need to do anything with your hands. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of dumb, but I guess it's an easy, um, what is I, that? And like I, visual storytelling. Yeah, I tick. understood why Tony did it because it was sort of like, you know, snap back at him. Uh, <laughs> <snap> back. <laughs> but but I, I was hoping that they weren't going to do it when, when Hulk did it. Yeah. I, I, I was mean, hoping they were just going to, he's a man of science and you think he would be like, Oh, you don't need to actually snap. Like I can feel all this power right now. Yeah, I mean, but there there is at one point where where Thanos just has the gauntlet on mm. and Captain Marvel stops him from snapping. Mm. But it's like, bro, just just do it real just Yeah, you it real didn't quick. need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, do we have anything else we want to talk about? I feel like we should end on a more positive note than <laughs> <laughs> Mjolnir was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what do you think is next for me only? <laughs> no, actually actually okay. Um I told you I didn't cry the first time that we saw this. Yeah. The one time that I did cry in this time, and it was very, very brief, but the opening of the portals and all the people flooding oh, out yeah. and Avengers assemble. I was just tearing up and oh, you're I getting the chills. I, I was getting chill <laughs> yeah, I have chills now. I just couldn't control I wasn't trying to cry. <laughs> and it's sort of weird. I, I've never like had that type of tear before mm-hmm. of like this is just overwhelmingly emotional so beautiful. or something and a huge part of that is is the music mm-hmm. which i've kind of listened to again and again and that it's called portals i strongly recommend people listening to it just on its own it is a gorgeous piece of music mm. and just the entire everything about that whole scene is so pitch perfect i was just like this is hitting me right in my little heart mm-hmm. so there's my positive thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my little positive thing. I was just thinking about about Carol while you were talking that whole time. <laughs> oh, wow. And, Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm going to zone out now. Oh, and, and just how like powerful <laughs> Carol is. You know, she obviously, this wasn't Carol's movie by any means, but it still showed how freaking strong she is. She comes from space, and during this massive battle, the ships take their guns off of the massive battle with Thanos and start firing into the sky just at Carol. That's how like big of a threat she was. And then she just <laughs> flew through that ship like it was nothing. Thanos headbutts her and she just stands there, takes it like a boss. Yeah. And it takes really it cool. takes the power stone to like do anything to her. Yeah. So I know a lot of people were a little upset with the lack of carol in the movie but i i really liked it because i I thought that like you said it wasn't her movie and it still allowed her to have a good show of strength yeah the way that she was was used was great i thought how do you think it's not like she was just twiddling her thumbs while while the avengers were fighting they gave her good reason for not being there she was like you know not every planet has the Avengers and every planet got snapped. Also, if she had come back for the time heist, then somebody would have had to stay behind because they didn't have enough pin particles. <laughs> <laughs> but they would have they would they... had enough if she was there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like how would how would they have survived in the past without 
you know, <laughs> War Machine's incredible contribution. He uh he knocked Peter out. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it. I just wanted to talk about Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So I think this has gone on a little longer than we thought, but you know, thank you all for joining us for our first 10K add-on episode. Woo. If you like this uh, short of, sort of type of episode where we follow up on our previous episodes, please let us know, and we will try to do more of those. If you want to keep up when we will be dropping new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod. Or you can like our new Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviemarapod. And that's movie, M-A-R-A, pod. You can find more episodes of this podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So feel free to subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us later this week when we run through John Wick Chapter 3 parabellum until then bye see ya so i want to put this on record though ian i have your uh, graduation present oh yeah so you're gonna open it live i forgot your birthday present again <laughs> <laughs> all right here you go check it out My God! Wait, Ian. I have a I have a question for you before you open it. Do you know how many movies we've seen together? Mm-hmm. No, I'm pretty sure based on my calculation, it's 42. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Actually, 42 from when I made that. Um, wow. So Pikachu is 43 because I didn't I didn't include that one. I love uh, I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what Ian's looking at is a little photo book thing. And in each of the pages, I made a, like, there's a picture from every single movie that we've seen in order together. Based on my, you know, quick calculations. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. <laughs> this is so cool. Yeah, I had to open it to make sure that it didn't look like shit. How did you remember all of the movies that we... So... Did you just assume that all these movies we've seen? <laughs> no, I... I mean, for some of the earlier ones, I kind of guessed. Like, yeah. I don't know if we saw Spectre together, but I'm pretty sure no, we, we did. No, we did, yeah. Yeah, so those ones. But then after a while, it was pretty easy that it's like most of the movies that I saw in theaters. Yeah. Like during time periods that I was at, in Boston were probably with you. <laughs> Get out. That was a that was a fun trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so each page has a the poster of the movie, and then it's kind of overlaid with a, a an image from the movie. And they had to be pretty high def, so sometimes I had to use like screensavers and stuff. Oh, I love of... the Ragnarok one. Yeah. Oh, Coco. <laughs> oh, the Star Wars one is really cool. I really like the Black Panther one. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. And then, um, the, the Tomb Raider <laughs> one was so hard. <laughs> There's no pictures of that movie. <laughs> and then, like, contrasted with Thanos. On the other yeah, side. yeah, the Thanos one is so cool. And then I like I think that one's gorgeous that the Incredibles too but oh yeah oh I really like the Deadpool too yeah <laughs> it's the picture of Deadpool and Cable doing the what is that called like the Touch of Man or something do you know what I'm what that yeah, is I can't remember what it's called that one oh painting. I love the movie poster of uh, Teen Titans Go to the yeah. Movies <laughs> they can't uh, save the world at all <laughs> I really like the Fallout one too mm. I think that one's super cool. Oh, Spider-Verse. I like that whole page, too, of Lego Movie 2 and mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is so cool. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. I was worried it would be a little too cheesy. But... No. Oh. And then a picture of us from Comic-Con, which was awesome. With Lockjaw. Yeah, R.I.P. The Inhumans. Did you ever finish that show? No. Yeah, me neither. I think I watched the first couple episodes. And you're wearing your Defenders shirt. R.I.P. Oh, <laughs> it shows its age. Just just a series of dusted images. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, congratulations on graduating, and hopefully we keep doing this for a long time. Yeah. Yay. Hello. Oh. My my mouth did that like
Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I think we're fucked for this. <laughs> okay. So you can follow this podcast on Twitter at, uh, I don't know. I just deleted something here. That's so weird. So you can follow this. So you can follow this podcast on Twitter at movie Mara pod. That's movie M a R a pod. If you want to keep up with when we will be dropping new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> Maybe I'll put this at the end. <laughs> that was funny. God damn it. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.